Hello and welcome to another episode of A Composer's Journey. So I get a lot of questions from you and I'm really grateful for these questions. Uh, and if you want to send your own questions, you always can. You simply need to join the list. It's insidethescore.com forward slash composers. And if you join that list, you can ask me your questions. I always read them. And if it's a very good question, then I may well answer it on this podcast. So. Anyway, I get a lot of questions and they're things like, how do I write a good structure for my piece? How do I write better harmony, better rhythm? How do I develop a theme? I get so many questions of this nature. How do I do this specific thing better? And yes, learning music theory would definitely help. It's always great to be more informed. But one of the most common answers to all of these questions is study the greats or study music that you love. And that can be music written this year or three years ago, 10 years ago, or even 250 years ago. And today I wanna to make a point by studying a bit of music that was written around 250 years ago and show that we can even learn a lot from that music. We can learn how to listen better and also how to write better. When I was turning 18 years old, my auntie, who was living in Australia at the time, wrote to me and she said, I really want to buy you something meaningful for your 18th birthday. And in Britain, turning 18 is like becoming a full adult. That's the sort of transition point where, you know, the boy becomes a man. So it's a really significant birthday in Britain. And she wanted to buy me something significant. And she said, could you let me know what kind of thing might be meaningful to you? And I thought about it and I said, I'd love to have the 32 piano sonatas by Beethoven in sheet music. And it's these beautifully bound two volumes with all 32 piano sonatas by Beethoven. And she said, well, I don't really want to buy you sheet music. I want to buy you something meaningful that will last a lifetime, something like a watch or, or cufflinks or something. And I said, no, 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 no. This is meaningful and this will last me a lifetime. It's one of the funny things about my family. None of them are musicians. And so sometimes they get that I love music, but sometimes they don't quite get what things mean. And I had to explain to her that actually being given the 32 piano sonatas in sheet music form is really meaningful and I will use it for years to come. And sure enough, you know, 10 or so years on from there, I'm still I'll sit at the piano and so often I'll just open the piano sonatas to a random movement and just play through it. And look, I'm not a superb pianist and some of those piano sonatas are really hard. So I don't always play it fluently, but it's just the feeling of getting them under your hands. What you can learn from Beethoven, but what you can experience from Beethoven. Those 32 piano sonatas have an extraordinary amount of variety and emotional richness. You can really trace the entirety of his musical career through the 32 piano sonatas. In the early ones, he's still influenced by Haydn, although he's still very original, but he is influenced by Haydn. And gradually you can trace extraordinary originality over the course of his 32 sonatas. And um, a couple of years later, I was probably about 22, I was working an office job and over the course of one week, I listened to a recording of all 32 sonatas. And again, it was an opportunity. It was as if you had absorbed the life of Beethoven and you really got to experience just what an extraordinary and original composer he was, that every single sonata has its own character. Every single sonata is different from the last. The early, the first three or four are slightly more similar in his early career, 
but after a while every single one is so distinct from the last it's just like a new original brilliant piece of music uh he's just an extraordinary composer but anyway i want to just break down his very first sonata in f minor this is opus two number one um so that means it's his second published work and what i want to actually do is just take the first movement of his first piano sonata and i want to break down how he develops and presents one theme the very first theme. So I'm not gonna try and play it myself. Instead, what I'm gonna do is get Alfred Brendel to play it. Who's, I, I love his recordings of the Beethoven piano sonata, so it's gonna be Alfred Brendel playing it. So let's listen to the first eight bars of that sonata. So there's a couple of things to learn from there. First of all, he presents his theme instantly in a very clear way, very clear, unmistakably clear. Ultra clear, you can't, you can't miss it. There's a nice contour to the theme that it rises up, and then resolves back to the F. But more than that, there's a clear rhythm. First, these staccato notes, and then this little very clear rhythm. First thing we hear is the theme that he wants you to pay attention to. I think that's something really common with Beethoven. I actually think that's why Beethoven is so popular, is he he makes his themes really clear and it's always obvious what you're supposed to be listening to. That's why I think Beethoven is still such a beloved composer this many years later. And what else is there to say? So he also presents this theme in a sentence structure it's known as a sentence structure it's eight bars long so the first four bars we get it in tonic tonic then dominant um so we get tonic dominant that means chord one is the tonic one and chord five is the dominant five so we get one five one five tonic dominant tonic dominant dip. Yeah, my piano playing is incredibly rusty because I haven't really practiced. Um, actually, it's, it's 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 pretty concerning. I haven't really practiced in about two years because of COVID. Um, I just I just stopped practicing. I had the arrogance to think, oh, I'll be fine. It'll be like riding a bike. And actually, my my finger muscles. I sat down to play something obvious the other day, and my finger muscles just don't work like they used to. So, I'm making a New Year's resolution to actually practice several days a week, and hopefully, my muscles will shape up again uh anyway so if i scuff up blame the complete lack of practice for two years <laughs> um so sentence structure the first four bars are tonic dominant and then we have a continuation so this is where he continues the theme but just little fragments rather than presenting the whole he's just going to do a little fragment so this time it's going to be that's just a fragment, the ending bit of the theme. And finally, he uh, ends on a sort of cliffhanger. That's a kind of cliffhanger on chord five, the dominant. And we're just left hanging there, wondering where is it going to go from there? So 
Sentence structure is another really good way to present a theme. It's very typical in sort of Mozart, Beethoven, Haydn. You might remember a couple of podcast episodes ago, I talked about John Williams and how he often writes in period structure. Period structure is another great way of writing a theme. So is sentence structure. By the way, it doesn't really matter what these structures are called. It doesn't matter whether they're called sentence and period. Sometimes I forget which one's which, but the important thing to remember is how they actually work. It's the same with sonata form. It doesn't matter all the names, all the technical jargon associated with sonata form. What matters is you understand how it works. Then it'll really stick if you understand how it works. And I've said many times before, I think sonata form, if you're going to learn one thing in music theory, learn sonata form really thoroughly because it will open up a whole um, a whole world of music between about Haydn and Shostakovich. Just you'll be able to listen to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of music with a newfound appreciation if you know sonata form really thoroughly. And uh, you can also learn about sonata form on my YouTube channel. So anyway, we've heard this theme. It's a very clear theme and he's presented it very coherently and cogently in a sentence structure. Now, what's he going to do next? So what does he do there? I love this. I think it's genius. But we've heard it in F minor. And that's in the treble at the top of the piano. This time, we're going to hear it in bass. And now it's in C minor instead of F minor. And then we hear an F minor chord. Well, that's the home chord. That's fine. You'd expect to go. But instead, it's. What a surprise. D flat. Instead of. It's. Like that. So the chords underneath that are very simple, straightforward voice leading. It's. The bass note goes down one step. And then the middle voices go down a step and a half step. And then. There's just a slight shift of steps and half steps. So all the voice leading, that means that each voice in the chord only moves by steps or half steps. Everything is really close together. So I'll just play it. Very clean harmony, very key clean harmonic progression. But what kind of covers that up, makes it more interesting, is that instead of just going for every chord change, instead, we have a little fragment of melodic material. So that keeps things interesting. And that's why having a melody with some really clear rhythmic thing, like... Oh, I can't even do it. Ah, my muscles, my muscles. Blame the muscles. That thing. Having that really does come into its own in, in this section. Because of the rhythm of that little turn, we recognize it as part of the main theme. So it's really powerful. Later on, um, we have this amazing moment where Beethoven is building tension. So in any sonata form, what will typically happen is he wants to build excitement before bringing back the main theme. Eventually, the main theme will come back in the home key. The main theme is going to come back in F minor, but first he wants to build maximum tension. And composers would traditionally 
build on the dominant before returning to the tonic. Build on this. Oh gosh, la done like that. They would build on the dominant to build as much tension as possible. Even late composers like Mahler and Shostakovich will do this. And of course, Beethoven did it too. So Beethoven for ages is building on the dominant. Going... That kind of thing, that was poorly played again, but he's building, really building up on the dominant. And you think finally it's gonna to return to the tonic. But first, before he does that, he goes, reduces everything to just one note. And it's pianissimo, which is pretty much the quietest possible dynamic, especially in Beethoven's day. In early Beethoven, you wouldn't really see anything quieter than pianissimo. So suddenly it's gone from being It's gone from that to just being very quiet. And you think, if he were a boring composer, maybe he'd just go and finally resolve like that. But instead, he goes absolutely quiet. And then, so he, he suddenly goes off, throws you completely off tangent to build even more tension by going C, C, C and adding in a D flat that semitone clash. It's an astonishing moment. And I'll, I'll actually play you that, that passage because I'm sure Brendel will play it much better than I did. So he's building the dominant here, building the dominant. We think he's gonna return, but no. And finally, back home again. So, again, beautiful voice leading. Just one step or one semitone at a time. Very clean voice leading, but it's that, we think we're gonna go, we think that louder would be more exciting, but Beethoven always knows the right moment to pull everything back to make it more exciting. And this happens again and again throughout the piano sonatas and symphonies too. But throughout the piano sonatas, I've noticed it a lot, that Beethoven is a genius for putting in very quiet dynamics at the most exciting moment. He just knows when it'll make the piece even better. And I've often been playing through a movement of one of his sonatas and you think, why has he made that quiet? And then you play it really quiet and you think that's much better. That's much better than playing it loud. It's much more exciting. It's much more intense or emotional. He's a real genius for that. So you've got to realize that sometimes if you want to build maximum tension, pulling everything back to the quietest point can actually be more effective than just going full loud. And I think in modern day music, you know, with club music and trailer music and film music, it can be tempting to throw the whole kitchen sink in, be as loud as possible for, for excitement. But actually, Beethoven was a genius for pulling everything back at the most exciting moments. So anyway, um, I'll play just one more really cool moment. I think I've, I've said pretty much everything I wanted to say about this movement, but I'll play one really cool moment again, where you'll hear once more this you'll hear those moments again but he's just doing different things with the chords really surprising you and the whole time you're thinking where is he going 
where's he going to go now? He was just so brilliant at throwing you off harmonically with subtle little things like that, where you just don't quite know where he's going. But all of his voice leading, all of his voice leading is very smooth. His left hand is just... It's that. All the, all the notes, all the voices in the chord are just moving by steps or half steps, by, by tones or semitones. So we can learn a bunch from this music, even if it is 250 plus years old. We can learn how to present an idea. And look, not all of your themes, not all of your music wants to have a theme. I get that. But you at least want to have a clear idea which the listener can really harness onto. We learned about sentence structure, how it's a really convincing way to present a theme. We learned about good voice leading, how, how, how generally with harmonic progressions, good voice leading makes for a more compelling harmonic progression. And you can also hide your chord progressions or make your chord progressions more exciting by including fragments of one of your themes. In this case, he uses the... Uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and, and on top of that, we learned that Beethoven is really great at holding back from going, returning to the home key for as long as possible, building as much tension as possible on the dominant, that's chord five, building as much tension as possible before finally returning home. And one of the brilliant ways that he does build tension is A, by, um, by suddenly, at the most exciting moment, going to pianissimo, pulling everything back so it's just really quiet. And another way that he does it is by throwing the harmony off at the last moment to draw out that climax even more. As I say, if you remember, I said, he's on C. He could have just gone like that, but instead he goes and he just draws you away from that climax just a little bit more to make it even more captivating, even more exciting to think, where's he going? So. I hope you learned a bunch from this. Remember that I'll be emailing an exclusive email to you once per week if you join the list about composing or composers. And actually there's something big that I'm hoping to announce in January. So you wanna be on the list for that because I'll be announcing something, especially for composers. And I had great fun listening and dissecting this little theme and how Beethoven works with it. I highly recommend you grab some sheet music, try playing through this first movement of his first sonata, or listen to a couple of the Beethoven sonatas, because you can learn a lot and you can experience quite a lot musically just by listening through Beethoven's different sonatas. So I hope you had fun. And as I say, a lot, a lot of the questions you ask, it's really fun to answer them with this kind of thing in a podcast, but the answer is often learn from the greats learn from music you love and learn from the music that we've inherited because this is our heritage. Anyway, have a great week and maybe listen to a Beethoven sonata because you'll probably enjoy it. Cheers. See you soon.